Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, pent-up retail and fleet demand helps Ford, Honda, and Subaru sales. UAW President Sean Fain makes audacious demands of Detroit 3 automakers. And despite more loans, a major auto lender sees earnings dive. Plus, Asai has quickly become one of the largest LiDAR companies in the world. Co-founder and CEO David Lee joins the show to talk about Hasai's technology and its quest to make it more affordable. Can we bring the cost from used to be tens of thousand dollars to now we're like below $1,000 and hopefully will be even cheaper down the road. And then when that happens, it's a guarantee that more people will use it. And it's a guarantee that more vehicles and people are going to benefit from those added safety. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford says its U.S. vehicle sales in July rose more than 6%. Trucks drove that gain with sales up 15%. Volume rose 6.6% at the Ford division, but it dropped 4.4% at Lincoln. Honda's U.S. deliveries rose 57% for the second straight month. They rose 53% at the Honda division and 99% at Acura. And Subaru's U.S. sales have now climbed for 12 straight months. July volume jumped 21%, led by sharply higher Forester and Outback sales that offset weaker Crosstrek demand. Volvo expects to release July sales on Thursday. Most of the rest of the industry reports U.S. sales on a quarterly basis or not at all. UAW President Sean Fain says the union plans to demand the most audacious and ambitious set of proposals in decades when it meets with Detroit 3 automakers this week. Those demands include double-digit wage gains, restoration of pensions, and better benefits for retirees. Fain talked about it last night on a Facebook Live address to UAW members. Companies want to brag about record profits, and it's time for record contracts. It's time for them to deliver for our members, and we're going to deliver for our members come hell or high water. Fain shared what he called the members' demands, a list of 10 economic proposals that are officially being presented to bargainers at Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis this week. In past years, Fain said that process typically happened behind closed doors. Electric vehicle latecomer Subaru is dramatically stepping up the pace in the global electrification race. It now has plans to build EVs in the U.S. starting around 2027 and to sell some 400,000 battery-powered cars in the U.S. by 2028. That's a volume amounting to about half its current U.S. sales. New CEO Atsushi Osaki announced a plan today along with the quarterly financial results. He said the Japanese automaker also wants to get half of its global volume, an estimated 600,000 vehicles, from full electric models in 2030. Osaki envisions worldwide sales of about 1.2 million vehicles by that year. He says Subaru will also expand its EV lineup to eight models from an earlier envisioned four. Subaru's net income for the quarter more than doubled, topping half a billion dollars. Revenue climbed 30% to almost $7.5 billion in the quarter. And major non-prime auto lender credit acceptance saw net income fall 79% from a year earlier in the second quarter. 
That's asked credit acceptance collected less than it expected from borrowers and saw below-average loan prepayment rates cut into its cash flow. The company also revamped its forecasting to take into account more recent loans with weaker performance. The revised projections were among the factors leading credit acceptance to increase the amount it set aside for possible credit losses by 70%. That's all despite volume growing 13% to almost 83,000 total loans from a year earlier. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, it looks like it was a pretty good month in July for auto sales. Is it safe to say uh, fleet sales is what's been keeping companies like Ford above water? I, I think uh, fleet fleet has been a big part of it. Uh, JD Power estimated about a sixty percent surge in fleet sales in July. I think we've seen you know surprising resilience from the retail customer. Maybe some expectation of some pullback in light of the higher interest rates and some economic concerns. But the economy keeps chugging along. Job market's still pretty good, and people are getting a little more variety to choose from. Not just the highest end of all the vehicles. So. A little more uh, retail demand than expected, but you're absolutely right. A lot of the growth is coming from fleet. They were really not sold enough vehicles during the pandemic. Now production is picking up and and they're snapping them up. Nice. Coming up, we'll hear from the co-founder and CEO of Hasai, one of the world's largest LiDAR companies, which has its eyes on expanding here in the U.S. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Just last week, market analysis firm Yol Group ranked Hasai Technology as the largest LiDAR company in the world for the second year in a row. That's after a period of rapid growth and increasing deliveries for Hasai. Co-founder and CEO David Lee was here in Detroit last week meeting with companies he says might be possible customers here in the U.S., It's part of his quest to grow the company's presence in this market. I spoke with him here at the Automotive News offices in Detroit. David Lee, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you. So glad to have you here in Detroit. Before we get into that, I guess I first want to just set the table. You know, I recently saw a report that described uh, your company, Hasai, as number one LiDAR supplier for robo-taxis, and arguably number one in uh, ADAS systems as well. So I'm wondering, what is sort of the geographic breakdown of your customers and and your revenue? Is it mostly from China or does it also come from the US and Europe? Yeah, thank you for the question. I think you're right that from some of the reports, um, our revenue was number one in robo-taxi for last year and probably the year before too, and uh, we were the biggest player. And uh, the revenue was evenly distributed globally. Of course, that means it's mostly uh, China and the U.S. In the U.S., it's mostly California. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people use our sensors. 
And then for ADAS, I think you point out very accurately, arguably number one. <laughs> uh, I think it's a fair statement in the sense that for robo-taxi, most people just count the number of shipments and uh, it's a short cycle business and it's very clear who is the winner. For ADAS, it's a little different because the nature of the business is that um, from design win or nomination to the shipment, and could take anywhere from two to three years all the way to like seven years for sure. some of the traditional people. And then, then you have so many metrics you can look at, right? <laughs> number of car models for design wings, number of OEMs for design wings, total projected volume. Of course, it's up to you whether you believe or not. And there, there are many metrics. And some of the metrics were higher ranked. And for some of them, the competitors do a better job. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fair to say that it's not quite settled on who is going to be the winner or who is the winner today. Um, but I think it doesn't matter today. I think what matters is that who truly has the best product and who will be able to ship and continue to ship. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I do want to point out that our shipment is already at a production level. We shipped I think the official number is close to 100,000 sensors last year, and we're expecting to ship a lot more this year, which is higher than most of the competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, what we tend to uh, argue is that for, for ADAS, if you can prove you have the combination of performance, quality, and the price, you're guaranteed to win. Of course, each of them is extremely challenging. Today, quality is the most challenging mm -hmm. for automotive. And quality isn't something you can just predict. In my mind, <laughs> quality is only something you can look back. Mm. So that's why um, it's just- It has to be proven. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so we, we spend a lot of time making sure we have the highest quality mm -hmm. and highest volume. So if your sales are roughly split between China and the US, uh, can you tell me who your top customers are? Are those names you can identify? That's a great question for somebody who has a lot of regulatory restrictions <laughs> on what I could disclose. Uh, again, for robo-taxi side, we have most of the bigger names, except for one or two. Except for, I, I know Waymo <laughs> was one that uh, was identified in the, in the analyst report as um, supplying their own. It sort of implied that pretty much everybody or two-thirds of everybody else is uh, using your system. Well, this is the part the audience probably couldn't see. I'm like winking a lot. <laughs> uh, I really couldn't comment on this. But it's fair to say that we have a majority of the robo-taxi market. Mm -hmm. And for ADAS today, uh, most of the customers we have are uh, domestic Chinese customers. And uh, we haven't had uh, names we can disclose as our global customers we partner with on ADAS site. I know it's always uh, challenging for suppliers, but of course, it's fascinating for us. So we always uh, want to ask. Uh, but we look forward to it. I would say that today, uh, at least as year of uh, 21, 22, and arguably 23, and the China EV market is for LIDARs is bigger than global mm. uh, because yep. they move faster earlier, right? They try those things earlier because they, they just wanted to try to try to see, hey, what I can possibly do, right? And uh, we were fairly successful in China on that market. but. Now I'm in Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're interested in knowing whether what we have developed and proven ourselves, you know, and we can bring this to Detroit, and to Europe, to the rest of the world. The interesting fact I like to point out is that if you look at global ADAS LiDAR shipment, because 
we were very fortunate to be part of this earlier market in China, our numbers are leading, mm-hmm. which means that when we talk to Detroit people, talk to European people, those are the people who really believe in numbers. They always want <laughs> to see evidence. And now we're very proud that we have a lot of numbers we can share. And then we can proudly say, we have, for example, as a company, we have more than 100,000 lidars on vehicles that are running every day on the road, mm-hmm. saving lives and having caused us trouble on the quality, which is a strong statement. Mm-hmm. So what brings you to Detroit? Are you here trying to win over the automakers? Are you here on a, on a hiring mission? Are you looking to build a factory? What's, uh, what's, what's your purpose of your trip? Because I oh, and of course, to be on daily exactly, drive. Exactly, <laughs> right. And a lot of, uh, on the same trip, of course, I will stop by those customers and see some of the candidates. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, because we believe we have a very competitive product and we have very, very aggressive plans and to, to expand globally. Mm-hmm. And we want the customers here to be able to see what we have because that's the product we spent many years building, right? Mm-hmm. And we also have always had a constant engagement at different levels with people here. Uh, as a result, we're also trying to hire more people locally because today, most of the customers here make it very explicit that, you know, your product is good, your manufacturing is good, but we want to make sure when you work with us, we work in local support. And local support isn't going to be a translator. I need my engineers here, the program managers here, the product managers here, and uh, an application engineer, everything, the full stack, which we believe also is the right way to do. So manufacturing at this point is all in China, right? In Shanghai? So, so far we have a few factories in China building everything, okay. but we do understand that moving forward, it's inevitable that customers will want companies like us to be able to build locally. And it makes sense. Uh, if, if only to avoid the 25% tariff. That's also another <laughs> That's economical reason. reason. That's a lot of money we pay every year. For real. Yeah. Or you or your customers. I, anyway, it gets it gets paid. Exactly. It adds to exactly. the co- everybody's cost. Yeah. Um, so about cost, I mean, where where are we on the cost curve for LIDAR? I mean, you know, obviously there's it's a real challenge for the industry with the large numbers involved. Um, you know, some... Companies want to use just radar because they're cheaper uh, or other camera sensors. Uh, What's the progress been on LiDAR cost? That's a great question. I actually spend more time thinking about this topic than the competition because today the market is so small yet. And I think the bigger problem is how can we bring those sensors to more production vehicles sooner so that they can save lives. If you think about it mathematically, a lot of people always say, hey, what is the return on my investment on my LiDAR sensor if you're going to charge me this much? What they're implying is that by this much of added safety multiply by how much my life is valued, does that justify the investment? Of course, when I put it in this way, you're laughing because this is a ridiculous concept, right? It's impossible to put a price tag on people's life. Right. The issue is is how much can they charge a customer? How much can they get a potential customer to believe that it's worth exactly. and that, that extra investment but is worth saving their lives? But the science, exactly, but the science is there. Mm-hmm. It's a consensus that LiDAR brings in added safety. I think it's a matter of how much. Today is a lot, 
Uh, some people say, oh, in the end, it could be marginal. Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to debate here, but I, I think suffice to say that everyone agrees that LiDAR can add safety because it's another way of sensing distance directly. Mm -hmm. So now, if we agree with that uh, argument, the more important question is going to be, as a commercial company, can we bring the cost from used to be tens of thousand dollars to now we're like below one thousand dollars, and hopefully we'll be even cheaper down the road. And then when that happens, it's a guarantee that more people will use it, and it's a guarantee that more vehicles and people are going to benefit from those added safety. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I spend most of the time thinking about. Well, and you know, we're just about out of time, but I want to make sure to get your thoughts uh, along those lines on how you see the evolution of the LIDAR industry yeah. um, and how you think about your competition. Yeah. So first, again, I spend most time thinking about the first question mm -hmm. because in the end, if we're not going to make it cheap enough, it's not going to be on every cars and then more people are going to suffer without it. That's what we think about. Of course, the goal is to continue to use integrated technology to drive down the cost. That's what we spend most of the time on. And of course, then you have to be taking advantage of the economy of scale. Uh, hopefully, you're going to be the biggest one and the most efficient one. In terms of competition, as I said, I think it's too early to tell because um, we are uh, still in the infancy of an industry that uh, we don't know who is going to make it. I'm very proud to say that we are already operationally cash flow positive, which means that you know you can see we can probably going to be around for a longer period of time. While some of the competitors are probably losing too much money comparing to the money they have in the bank, but that's not the most critical thing. I think the most critical thing is for any company to prove they have the volume and the quality, and in the end have the best technology to bring that to every vehicle. That's what we spend most time thinking about. David Lee, co-founder and CEO of Hasai Technologies. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Jamie, so much. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own David Phillips, Michael Martinez, Hans Grimo, Nato, Akamora, and John Hutter for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, monthly sales results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 